texts this morning are Jeremiah 42, 1 through 6, 15 through 16, and 43, 1 through 4. Jeremiah 42, 1 through 6. Then all the army officers, including Johanan, son of Cariah, and Jezaniah, son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now we are only a few. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. I have heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends, sends you to tell us. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Jeremiah forty-two fifteen through 16. Then hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do go to settle there, then the, sword of, then the sword you fear will overtake you there, and the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt, and there you will die. Jeremiah 43, 1 through 4. When Jeremiah had finished telling the people all the words of the Lord, their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, son of Cariah, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, You are lying. The Lord your God has not sent you to say you must not go into Egypt to settle there. But Baruch, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so they may kill us or carry us into exile into Babylon. So Johanan, son of Cariah, and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. The word of the Lord. One of the new phrases that has become part of the vocabulary, really, of the whole world now is fake news. Have you heard it? I'll bet you have. Fake news is deliberate misinformation from a news source, whether that news source be broadcast or print media or social media. And the purpose of fake news is to mislead people. That's, that's why it's done. And one study showed that in, in the election last year, about a year ago, the election last year, more people paid attention to fake election news that was generated on social media than real and trustworthy election news that was on serious media outlets. Just this week, the Collins Dictionary, which comes out of the UK, the Collins Dictionary named fake news the word of the year for 2017. Here's some examples of fake news. I found some for you. This is what I did this week. Young girl disconnects her grandfather's life support to plug in her phone's charger. <laughs> fake news. 
Playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving is now a federal crime. Oh. <laughs> there was a website that reported that Congress passed a law to this effect, but it was not true. Should have been true, but it was not true. Here's a, here's a third headline. Non-denominational church exposed as undercover Baptists. That's not just fake nudes, folks. It's satirical. I just wanted to have fun. That's totally... I, I found that on a website. Maybe you've seen it. The Babylon Bee. Have any of you seen that? They do satirical news for, for churches, and it's just a scream. You've got to check it out. That's where I found it. Great stuff. Most fake news has to do with politics. I didn't pull up any political stuff today because I know how heated that can be, but a lot of it does surround the political world. Fake news is meant to mislead And the prophet Jeremiah was accused of misleading people. He was accused of lying. Is there such a thing as fake preaching? Was Jeremiah lying in what he told the people of Judah and Israel? We come to this last sermon in this series from Jeremiah. It's a vast book. We've only hit the highlights Jeremiah is about the destruction of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. and how Judah, the people, were sent into exile as a result of the Lord's judgment upon the people. We haven't been going through Jeremiah because I think this congregation is rebellious and under the fierce judgment of the Lord that Judah was under. First of all, we, uh, we aren't in a spiritual state that that nation was in by a long shot. And second of all, you know, Jesus Christ has taken the judgment for us on the cross. And we have peace with God because of his work for us. And the heart of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins. We rejoice in that. But we view Jeremiah through the life of Jesus and through the lens of the cross, and we say it still speaks to us today. There's things we pay attention to. The big story of Jeremiah is how Israel... And Judah became very far from the Lord. And though the Lord sent messengers to them again and again for centuries, the people moved further and further away from God. Judah and Israel became very ugly, very decadent, a very violent and immoral people. And after centuries of patiently waiting for them to return, The Lord uses the mighty power of that day of Babylon to come into the land as a way of disciplining his people. But the Lord's ultimate purpose was always eventually for his people to be restored. That was always the goal. Now, towards the end of the book of Jeremiah, King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he has conquered Judah. He's taken away a great portion of the population now. But Babylon, they've left a small group of people in the city to keep it functioning. Uh, And Johanan and Jezaniah are two of those left behind. They are army officers. They are also leaders of the people. And they are also part of a significant movement that is disgusted and tired of living under Babylonian rule in Judah. They don't like the occupation. 
So they have plans to lead a migration away from there and go to Egypt because they think Egypt will save them from that big bully Babylon. Egypt will be better for them and to them. That's where we're going. And to be sure, there was no war in Egypt. That's a plus. And to be sure, living conditions were better in Egypt. That's a plus. They also reasoned Egypt was strong enough, their military, everything else, to protect them from the Babylonians. In a way, you couldn't blame them. But before they actually pack up and head to Egypt, they find Jeremiah, and they tell Jeremiah their plan. They they say, we want you to pray to the Lord for us as to what we should do. Um, Interestingly, that they would seek Jeremiah's counsel, right? I mean, he's basically been ignored. He's been treated harshly. But maybe, you know, he was right about Babylon coming in here and, and, and doing what they did. Maybe Jeremiah has a little credibility now. So they say, Jeremiah, we want you to pray for us. Tell us where we should go, what we should do. Should we go to Egypt or should we stay? And Jeremiah agrees to pray for them. And he says, I will tell you everything I think the Lord wants you to know. All the counsel of the Lord. So Johanan and Jezaniah take an oath that they will do everything that the Lord tells them to do through Jeremiah. They say this, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God. Okay? That's what they say. Ten days later, Jeremiah receives the word of the Lord and he calls the leaders together and he gives them what the Lord has said. And Jeremiah says, the Lord says that if you stay in the land of Judah and don't try to escape to Egypt, the Lord will plant you. The Lord knows the pain and anxiety you're living under. He knows the king of Babylon is a jerk and it's going to be hard for quite a while. But the Lord wants to show his people compassion and eventually restore your land. Just stay right here. The Lord wanted this remnant to to be the the seeds of a rebuilding project and a replanting. His purpose was always to rebuild and replant them after a time of chastening. On the other hand, Jeremiah says, if you go to Egypt, although it looks nicer, it will bring great problems. It'll be a fatal mistake. Because you see, what the people of Judah didn't realize is that they were right in line of the coming storm of of Babylon. And though things were peaceful now, it wasn't always going to be like that. Babylon is eventually going to hit Egypt too. And it'll be better for Judah to stay in the hands of the Babylonians right where they are. When things are not as we want them to be, oftentimes, we think, boy, how can I get out of this? How can I change this? If you're a control freak like me, You do this all the time. I mean, we want to control our destiny. I know I do, and I I know how things should go for my life and how it should happen. And sometimes, though, we have to learn to sit in the hard place. Sometimes trying to escape just makes it worse. It's like ripping out all the tubes and off all the bandages after we've had a surgery. Yeah, it's hard to be in the hospital, and there's pain, and it's, there's a lot of waiting for the healing, but man, getting rid of the constraints can do a lot of harm. It's like the kid who gets put in time out, and he keeps trying to get out, trying to get out. It's just going to make it harder for him, isn't it, until he just kind of goes through that process. The Lord can have something to teach us or show us even in the uncomfortable place. 
So the message from the Lord to the remnant from Jeremiah was to pray for them and to tell them straight up. And this is what he said. Don't go, stay, trust the Lord in all of this. He knows the plans that he has for you and therefore your welfare. Are you still with me? You with me? Okay. When Jeremiah gives this message, the people say to Jeremiah, you are lying. God never told you to tell us not to go to Egypt. Remember, these are the people who said, pray for us. These are the people who said, whatever you say, whether it's good or bad for us, we're going to do it, no matter what it is. Cross our hearts, we promise. Jeremiah can't win, can he? He just can't win. Yohanan tells the army officers, get everyone together. He takes them, they, they, they put them together, and they go off, march them off in a migration to Tahapanis in Egypt, including they take Jeremiah and his assistant Baruch. They take them all. And while in Egypt, Jeremiah prophesies that just as the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came in and wiped out Judah and Jerusalem, so he's going to do the same thing to Egypt. Egypt is in the path of the storm of what they're trying to escape. And because the people disobeyed the Lord, who told them to stay where they were because it would work out best for them, they're going to suffer the disaster to come. Only a very few are going to make it back to Judah. Well, the people are in Egypt for a while. They begin to settle in. They get accustomed to the system, the language, the economy. They even begin to learn the ways of the local religion. And they start to do the Egyptian gods thing. And particularly, they start to worship the kind of crown jewel of the whole system. She is called the Queen of Heaven. Doesn't have anything to do with Christianity, anything like that, or Judaism. The Queen of Heaven. Egyptian religion, and it's working for them. They're becoming more prosperous. And the people of Judah, now living in Egypt, choose their gods based on their material welfare. And they put at the center of their lives the religion that pays program. You know, Timothy, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy one time in the New Testament. He wrote to Timothy and he said this. He said, Timothy, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. But you know, not everything that glitters is gold. Jeremiah says, have it your way, but I am telling you, harm is coming to Egypt. It's not going to last. And powerful preachers know how to use powerful images. I wish I could do this like Jeremiah. Here is the way he describes what King Nebuchadnezzar is going to do to Egypt. As a shepherd picks his garment clean of lice, so he will pick Egypt clean and depart. Let that sink in. And Jeremiah says, those who escape and make it back to Judah from Egypt, you're going to be very few. And then he says, then the whole remnant of Judah who came to live in Egypt will know whose word will stand, mine or theirs. Who was telling the truth? Who was really lying? Who was really misleading whom? 
The remnant had been told by God to stay in the land of Judah under Babylonian occupation, but wait for God's good work there because God is going to bring the best for you right there. And they called that a lie. And instead they said they chose a different path for themselves and they shaped a different future for themselves. They convinced themselves that what they desired was the truth. The end of the day, only one word would stand, either theirs or Jeremiah's. And you know what? It would not be theirs because Babylon came. Kathleen Norris, the writer, said, a prophet's task, the the role of a prophet is to reveal the fault lines hidden beneath the comfortable surface of the worlds we invent for ourselves, the little lies and delusions of control and security that get us through the day. And she observed, Jeremiah does this better than anyone else. Staying in Judah was a risky business. Staying where God wanted them instead of trying to escape. It took courage and trust that the Lord had them in his hands. The late um, Bible scholar Elizabeth Actemeyer wrote just a very slim little book on Jeremiah as a guide for preachers. And Lord knows we need it when we do this book. And in it, she asked some questions that apply this part of Jeremiah to our lives. She said this. She wrote, the decision facing this desperate little band was the decision that always confronts persons of faith. Do we believe that in good times and bad, God wills only good for us? Do we trust that the suffering and troubles that come upon us may be as much a part of God's loving will for us as the peace and prosperity we know? Could the Judeans believe that God's destruction of their land was an act finally taken for their salvation? And could our Lord Jesus believe that the cross that was before him was included in God's good purposes? And so could the Judeans and Jesus, and can we believe that no matter what sufferings we go through, that God is at work to lead us mercifully into his abundant life for us? And therefore, will we trust our future to his hands and obey his guidance of us? You know, we often look for some alternative to the Lord's will. We try to escape to some place that is safer. And in reality, it's not. Sometimes the truth is the harder thing. Sometimes the easier and seemingly more pleasant thing is the lie and can ultimately cost us. You know, we don't really know what ultimately happened to Jeremiah. We think he probably got taken to Egypt and probably died there with a people he didn't want to be with, in a place he didn't like, and a place he didn't want to be. But you know, throughout all the pain and the disappointment of his ministry, Jeremiah continued to be determinedly faithful, magnificently courageous, heartlessly rejected, a towering life terrifically lived. And isn't it interesting That when people were trying to account for Jesus, remember, who do people say that I am? One of the answers was, they think you're the prophet Jeremiah. Matthew records that in his gospel. Of all the biblical figures, of all the prophets you can think of, they said, you know, some think you're Jeremiah. Why Jeremiah? Was it because Jeremiah, like Jesus, was not afraid to stand alone and proclaim the word of God? 
Was it because he spoke a piercing word, even if it was unpopular? Was it because, like Jesus, Jeremiah remained unbroken? Though he was used, abused, and accused, he was resilient because he trusted himself to God. And as hard as that often was, he he put himself in God's hands. Because, you know, Jesus was used and abused and accused, but he committed himself to the Father's hands, and he remained unbroken, even when they said to Jesus, you're lying, and they put him on a cross. And when people say our faith is a lie and we suffer ridicule for our Christian convictions, remember Jeremiah. Jesus did. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, Jeremiah is perhaps my favorite, no, he is. He is my favorite biblical character and my patron saint. He is. He's helped me as a Christian and as a pastor. Not that I'm a prophet, I'm not. Not that I've suffered things like Jeremiah did, not even close. And I've never been thrown into a dungeon, I've never been thrown into a slimy pit. Nobody's tried to kill me that I know of. I don't have to preach to a rebellious people who are looking to hurt me and continually insulting me. But I, and and probably like many of you, I sometimes often feel like I'm standing alone, having to speak an uncomfortable truth, standing for the name of Christ in a culture, even in the midst of a larger church, even in the midst of my own denominational tradition that really isn't all that interested in God and seems to be forsaking him. I think faithful Christianity, at least in the West, in the next decades and generation, will be learning to be a minority and being comfortable with that, even an extreme minority. The disciple of Jesus Christ is going to have to learn to navigate what is rather unpopular. We'll have to learn how to persevere in the truth of God when many say, you know, that's really a lie. That doesn't mean to be arrogant or rude or close-minded, but it does mean to stand firm. Jeremiah helps me do that in a life that is becoming less accepted by a culture that doesn't take God seriously. Jeremiah helps me be okay with standing alone. And if you find yourself standing for God and sharing his message with little response or you're being treated harshly because of your commitment to Christ, remember Jeremiah and remember Jesus said, "Ah, but you're blessed. Christian faith will take more intentionality as time goes on and as pressure increases. It's a struggle, but may God give everyone who wants to live faithfully and terrifically for God the strength to, like Jeremiah, remain unbroken. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's get ready to come to the Lord's table to share the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.